You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. You're listening to Inside Real Estate, where we go deep into the minds of real estate professionals. Here are your hosts, Paul and Sal. Uh, we are Inside Real Estate. Uh, we've got Brad Weisgerber with us. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? He is uh, the brains of the operation. We've got Mr. Dan Beasley. Hey. Real Good estate morning. extraordinaire. Thanks for having me. One of the best, best agents around. Really love working with you. You're a good-looking man. <laughs> the bees. The bees. He's really piling it on, isn't he? Yeah. Salvatore, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. I needed my coffee. Yeah, you were really in, in need of your coffee. I today. know. Yeah, you were not happy without I'm your dependent. coffee. I'm dependent. Yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit about you know, the, the trials and tribulations of buying and selling. You know, Everybody's kind of in a weird conundrum, like how do I sell and buy and all that. So we'll get through that. Talk a little bit about the market. We'll talk a little bit about rates, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Fed that's meeting on on Thursday. Is it Thursday? Right? Yes. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Today's Wednesday, right? It is. Okay. Cool. Man. Yeah, dude. Yesterday was Tuesday. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. That, that's <laughs> all. That's so crazy. The market is right now. We don't know what day it is. No idea. So yeah. So Dan, tell us a little bit about your background, man. I know you've been on the our old show, but you know this is all new. No, you know, good stuff. Uh, well, hey, listen, real estate. Before uh, before we get into that, I just want to congratulate you and Sal and. The whole team over at Omega. Thanks, man. Uh, it's it's awesome. I mean, you know, whenever you can start a new operation like this and a new venture, um, I have complete confidence. Um, uh, you guys haven't missed a beat. We've uh, we closed our first deal last week. Yeah, you know, I mean, what have you guys been? A couple weeks. So anyway, I'm getting the cue here. You're not you're you're talking to talk the front of the mic. Get a little closer. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right. There you go. Okay, see. All right. so I appreciate we'll that. Figure it out. Yeah, no. I do a lot of talking, but no, not into a mic. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we'll get it figured out. So here's a story. I've been in this business a long time. Long time. Long time. Don't I mean, age yourself. Though, licensed. Man. I'm probably licensed longer than Sal's been alive. A hundred percent. Sal's okay. only 14 years old. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and uh, man, so I've seen every kind of market there is. I've seen the ups and the downs. 18 uh, percent interest rates with neither, which neither of you have seen. No, uh, I, I, I've no, seen yeah. only I've on a seen credit card. The only way to sell deals was with land contracts. But anyway, let's not go into that. Land uh, contract. Yeah, yeah, I remember not, that. Yeah. That was it. Well, I mean, I, I was born in the eighties, bro. So I was. And this I was, was before that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> that tells you. Oh, that gives geez. you some background on me. I mean, you know, we typically. Uh, I mean, I, I can't say how many millions of dollars I've sold, but I'm not going to get into a commercial on myself. Yeah. It's just the bottom line is this: is, is this market that we're in today unique? I haven't seen anything like it. No. I mean, this different. has got to be the hottest seller's market I have ever seen. Hands down. And so let me ask you guys a question. What do you think is the number one issue uh, in in today's real estate market? What's the number one thing that the most difficult thing to do? To find, find a, a house, house to buy. Find a house, yeah. right? We talked yeah. about it last week, too. There's yeah. just no houses out there. The inventory levels are about 30, 35% lower this year than they were last year. And last year was bad. Last year was tough, man. Right? Last yeah. year was tough. The inventories are so low that you literally put a house on the market as a listing agent, and I mean it's gone within hours. You yeah, don't, you don't have an issue. There's yeah, no, there's no, there's no issue selling the houses. So where does that put a buyer? I mean, so how do you that right? I'm selling my house, right, Dan? Right, and I want to buy, but I can't buy unless I sell. But if I put my house on the market, it sells fast, and then I can't find the house as quickly. How do I mean? How do I navigate that, man? You man, know, that's, that's the hard thing, right? That is absolutely, th- and that causes a like perpetuates the problem, right? Because it does. 
if I can't sell to buy or if I can't buy, I can't, I don't want to sell less houses are on the market. So it's like it's just causing a bigger issue, right? Well, it does perpetuate the problem. Um, it's obviously something that we have to talk about right from the beginning. Everybody, you know, they're, oh, am I going to sell my house? Am I going to sell my house? How fast is it going to sell? I mean, that is obviously, we just said, it's not the problem. Finding the next one is the issue. So one of the things that we do is that we, we look at the, uh, we have to take a look at the entire picture of this particular person. I mean, can they, can they afford a double move? Right. Can they? Is there fa- friends and family that they could possibly move into for a short period of time? Yeah, uh, you have to know exactly what's going on with them because if they can't do it, then they have no choice. They have to sell first. Okay? Yeah, I mean, I mean, or, I'm sorry, they have to buy first because they have to know where they're going before they can sell. So in that situation, like the one we closed last week, um, she, she, her, she was freaked out. She didn't know where she was going to go. She needed to sell a condo that was a multiple. Uh, it was a townhouse style condo. She needed everything on the first floor. So her needs were very specific. So we went out and we found that unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, she was able to qualify. We were able to get a qualification letter from you that, that gave her the ability to make that offer. Uh, we found the unit. We pushed the closing out six weeks from the date of the, of the purchase agreement. Right. Then we put her house on the market the very next day. We had 15 offers on it. Yeah, wow. I remember that. Yeah, one day, one day, we had 15 offers. I held the house open. I've never had a more busy open house in my entire career. I mean, it was it was a madhouse. We had 15 offers. Sold the house over asking. You know, uh, waiving appraisal, everything, the whole the whole nine yards, and then we were able to move that have their her house closing two weeks before the one she was buying. So that gave her the funds to be able to buy. You know, cl- close. Actually, we end up doing a simultaneous closing on the same day. Everything worked out, and it. But that has to all be. Those logistics have to be navigated right from the beginning. That has to be a solid plan, and buyers have buyers and sellers both have to be aware of it. Um, but then, then there's the flip side. There's what are you going to do if, if when you're going out and buying, how can you secure an offer? I mean, that's yeah, because no offers are getting right. Uh, approved right now. Contingent. Right? Nobody no. wants a contingent. Like, if you, I'm selling a house, there's no way. I've got 15 offers, like you said. I'm not going to sell my house if that ho- like that deal is contingent on you. So- what if you don't sell your house, right? And there's like five other, either a cash offer, not contingent. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that uh, that particular buyer has going for them is obviously that their house will probably sell quickly. But if you're up against someone who doesn't need to sell, it's – you know, right. Yeah. But as a listing agent, you you know, I'm not looking at a contingent offer. Why would I look at a contingent offer on one of my listings unless the house has been on the market for maybe 30 or 60 days? Right. And the, you know, if it's the only offer, and it's the only offer, right? right. And and then you know, as a listing agent, I'm going to go out and I'm going to look at the, uh, uh, I'm going to look at the house that they're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's, I look at it when somebody doesn't have their house in the market that they're not really that motivated to buy. That's how I see right. it as a listing agent because if they're real serious, they're they're going to get their house sold because that they're they need the money. Well, I so. think you know another thing too. If you just thinking aloud, is it's funny that you know most first time home buyers are are all of them are are not contingent upon selling, right? That's and right. That's where that inventory, where you know you're looking between a hundred and probably three hundred thousand right. for the first time buyers, right? That's who. All these people moving from their other home are up against. Yep, right. It's insane that hundred to three hundred market. I mean, it's just out of control. And it could be the strongest buyer who needs to sell their home, minus the fact that they can't go non-contingent. Right. 
up against a guy putting three percent down conventional or, or FHA even, right? And but there's, there's no contingency, right? right? So yeah. you know, look, I think guys, and I think the audience needs to understand this, and I think you get this, Dan. Is it's more imperative today than ever to have the right team around you, right? Absolutely. You've got to have an agent that knows what they're doing 100% because you've got to navigate a pretty complicated market right now. And you need a, a loan officer that knows how to navigate all this stuff too. And everybody has to work together. Oh, it's, yeah. it's like it's more of a team effort than it's ever been, in my opinion, where before, you know, the, the real estate agent and the loan officer, everybody could have been in their own silos and it didn't matter, right? As much. Like everybody could just do their own thing and they didn't have to communicate as much. But in today's market, the level of communication that's required to get a deal done between all parties involved, client, you, listing agent, uh, buyer's agent, everybody, all that has to come together correctly. And if you don't have the right team around you of professionals that know how to navigate that, you could get stuck in a really awkward or bad right. position, right? So I was actually thinking about that. There, You've been thinking? I was thinking, Good. yeah. I like, so, that. I like when you think. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. I know. So there – like to your point, there's uh, there's a lot more deals right now where you got to sell to to buy. Um, there's a lot of moving parts where the timing and communication are key. How does that? How does the lender um, come into play on that? And are you seeing more pressure from agents to use certain lenders or not use certain lenders because of the reputation of being able to get those deals done in a timely fashion? Hey man, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> that's a great question, and. Um, this is a, you know, it's it's a, a lot of things go into play when it comes to making the offer. Okay, so you know, you get a customer that comes to you and they you, they go through your pre approval process. Um, in my opinion, if there's a way that you can approve them, um, you know, where they, where they it's it's an unconditional approval. Okay, right. because what if they, if they can go in unconditionally? And then they've got some resources to back up a, a lower appraisal, possibly. That gives them the opportunity to go in with what I consider a, a it's not necessarily a cash offer. We've, we've talked about yeah, this. We did it. It's not necessarily a cash offer, but it's not contingent on mortgage approval. Okay. So, to the eyes of the seller, this is as good as a cash offer. Right. So, you've, you've looked at the customer and you said, yep, this customer can. Can, is going to be able to buy this house unconditionally. You've run them through this, through all the requirements that are needed. So now they're in a position where they can make an offer that is going to compete with cash offers. Mm -hmm. They have to write on the purchase agreement. Uh, they can they can make it a cash offer, but they have to write on the PA that it's they reserve uh, the right reserve the right, right to secure a mortgage. Okay, so that there's no surprises when the right. when the appraiser calls. Right. Okay? Um, so then in that situation, now you're, you're, you know, depending on whether you obviously won the deal, because let's say you just assume that you got the deal because you were the highest offer. So now you're, you're also competing against cash offers. We just did a deal a week and a half ago. There were, there were 10, 11 offers on this house. We did it exactly how we, how we saw it. She's this particular customer of Paul's wants to get a mortgage. But she has the ability. She's putting enough down and has the qualifications where she could write cash. If she really needed to pay cash, she could. She she would have borrowed from her 401k. Right, right. Okay. We wrote on the PA, just like I said, uh, buyer reserves the right to secure a mortgage. And at that point then, that became – all of the mortgage deals then fell up, fell to the wayside. So it, the cream of the crop raised to the top, right. which were three cash offers. 
So then there are multiple tiebreakers that come into play in a situation like that. Okay. Um, the first thing is, is that a, a seller wants to sell to somebody that appreciates the house. Okay. And especially if they've been in the house a long time. The emotional connection, right? If yeah. I mean, I'm not saying these are not in a, uh, a order of one, two, three, and four, that these aren't number one importance. I'm just saying these are all tiebreakers. Yeah. So you've got, now you've got a situation where you've got three offers that are essentially cash. They're all similar. So where, where's the seller going to go to? They're going to go to the person that displays the need or the want of this particular house the most. The, somebody that can tie in an emotional tie to the house. Like this was my father's house. I wanted to go to somebody that can appreciate everything that he did there. So you have to know these things as an agent. You have to, you have to really key on, on, on that and write a nice letter. Um, the second thing is one of the things we wrote in this offer was inspe- on inspection. Sellers don't want to get jacked up on inspection because buyers will write a huge offer on a house, but then what they'll do is they'll nickel and dime the seller down on inspection. We wrote it. We looked at the house. I'm like, I've seen enough houses. We've done enough flips. I've been in this business for so long that we know what's solid and what's not solid. So we wrote in the buyer was going to do an inspection. Just for their own benefit. But for informational purposes right. only, seller was not Real required to make yeah. any repairs. So okay? I mean, you're throwing a lot at this offer. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, we're we're and on top of that, if I remember correctly, you did what's called an escalation clause. We did. We weren't. A, we, there was a there was a, high, a, a two other offers that were higher than ours, and they were cash. We were thirteen thousand dollars less, but we we put an escalation clause that we would go a thousand dollars over the highest offer up so, to a certain price. So the, it's just for the audience. An escalation clause, basically, we talked about this last week, but basically, it's. I will go higher than your highest offer by X, up to X. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. I mean, I asked this last week. What happens if there's two escalation clauses? <sighs> Tiebreakers. Tiebreakers. But, but when they just keep escalating? Right. No, no, because it, it goes up to a certain level. I mean, if, like 10K, if, up to 10K yeah, over, uh, right? Well, no, 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 no. We did $1,000 over up to a certain price. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. If, if there would have been somebody would have been higher than us. They would have got it. That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> but but you can only do, you know, I mean, I don't want a buyer to pay more than what the house is essentially really worth. Right. You know, this particular seller was selling for a little less. Yeah. So, so I you said, had room. We had we had room. I, I, it was know, worth it. it. It was absolutely worth it. Got it. So then you've got the, you've got, but you've got all these tiebreakers. So now you've got two escalation clauses that are about the same price, right? All right. So then where does it go? It goes to inspection, informational purposes only. Right. So there's not going to be required to do anything. Right. But in the event that there is a major situation that occurs, the buyer still has the ability to back out of this transaction. Not that they want to, but they, they have that ability to get out if there's a foundational issue or mm-hmm. some major mold in the attic or something like that. So then where does it go next? Um, if the seller needs occupancy, the, the buyer has the position to be able to offer that seller occupancy for free, mm-hmm. which is what we did. Yeah. We gave the seller two weeks occupancy free. Um I had a strong communication with the listing agent. When does the seller need to close? This happened to be this situation happened to be in a state where the family was from out of town and they needed to be able to get back in time for closing and be able to clean the house out. They didn't want to close till the end of May. The other two cash offers wanted to close in the middle of the middle of May and they wanted immediate occupancy. They didn't ask the questions. They they just did yeah, they missed they missed they, the boat on that. They missed the boat. I said, okay, we're gonna close Memorial Weekend, Friday of Memorial Weekend, and we're gonna give you fourteen days free. This is exactly what the seller was looking for. Yeah. That's and, a lot I mean, that's a lot of like so the so 
I mean, look, man, that's what it takes. It, like, think it about comes what, down to like we talked about. about you got to have a good agent that's going to be aggressive and work on your behalf. Right? Like, you don't go into it by yourself thinking you're going to do it because little things like that, the experience that you have, yep. it's gonna it's gonna make or break. Especially for a millennial out there, you're just talking about um, how the cash offers are rising to the top. Well, if you're a millennial, chances are. You're not, not cash, in a, you're not yeah. in a position to be cash, so, so you want to hire but someone. You, but you can if you're super, if you're qualified. Right. you can go in appearing to be a, like cash, a offer, cash offer to compete right, right. with yeah. a cash offer. You can do it. You can. Make but it that happen. comes down again to having someone like you and that has the experience and the know how to dude, do things it's a, like that. It's a chess match out there. It, it is. really is. So like Dan called me, he told me he was going to do all this salad. He's like, he's like, dude, listen, let me let me tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> let me. Let, I, we're going to get this house. I'm going to get this house. I mean it. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. that some of the things you see out there, and you know, from um, like from our perspective, sometimes we don't really know. Like when we're talking to a client, right? Yeah. They write these offers. They got an appraisal waiver on there. Yeah, they're yeah. guaranteeing five k, and they might not have completely understood that, depending on their right. agent and everything. All of a sudden, the appraisal comes in, though. It's like, hey, man, you got to bring another five grand. Right. They don't have a pot to piss in. Excuse me? <laughs> you know, and it's like, dude, how are we going to close this? You got to get a gift, things uh, like that. So I think it's definitely uh, you got to get very creative, do a whole bunch of different things. But at the same time, I think it's the agent's duty to protect them, right? It like is. you said, make sure they're not overpaying. Make sure they have the ability and understand that worst case, mm-hmm. you're coming in at this. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Dan, I mean, look, Dan was – very good about it, right? He, yeah. Dan is a very good agent. And I'm going to talk about you like you're not here, by the way, Dan. <laughs> he's a is a very good agent. But when Dan called me on this deal, he's like, "I'm we're going to get this one, man." And like he was, I mean, we knew it was going to be multiple offer situation. He's telling me it's like it's super competitive, but he, Dan had the supreme confidence because he knows how to navigate all that. And that is just so the audience understands, you can't hire. And I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible. You can't hire Aunt Tilly, who does like two transactions a year as a part-time real estate agent. And like, no, dude, you need a professional right now. You need a beast. You need someone that's going to fight for you. You need someone that knows what they're doing. And that comes with experience and having someone that is very – I mean, and don't get me wrong. Experience – one of the worst things I hate hearing is I've been in the business 30 – nobody gives a shit, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody cares how long you've been in the business. How good are you? Today, right? Hey, right. Let, let me tell you. I mean, I've never heard you say that, which I appreciate. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this experience did not come at with no cost. Believe me, for sure. You, you yeah. I, I lost deals, and you sit back and you're, you know, you get upset and like, why did I lose this deal? Right. And you lost a deal because of this. Or how about this on the listing side, where I've actually had ten offers on a house. And we had three of them that, or four of them that were exactly the same. And I got to get on the phone and call the buyer's agent and say, you lost the transaction because your buyer was asking for a refrigerator. <laughs> okay. Man. And it wasn't in the listing agreement. Oh, man. Or your buyer asked for a home warranty and it wasn't in the listing agreement. And that was the difference. That was the tiebreaker. And they're like, well, we would have waived it. We but you didn't. But you didn't, bro. I had to make a decision with my seller to go with an offer, and they were all the same. Yeah. And you, you put something in there that shouldn't have been in there that was never offered up. And so you have to know this, but I, it doesn't even matter the age. It could be Aunt Tilly. It could be whoever. If they haven't if Poor they haven't, if they well, haven't listen, the School of Hard Knocks is the best educator that you could possibly have sure. in this business. I think you know, if, you look, if you look in the market right now and you see a lot, who's doing you – know, a decent amount of transactions, meaning it's like their full-time gig, they're 
understanding the market. They're getting deals done. They're figuring it out. Those are the people you want to work with, people who are hungry, people who want to work with you. But I think to a degree, right, like you said, the, the buyer lost it over a refrigerator, right? Did yeah. that agent tell them? Did they did they push them enough to say, you you may lose this over a refrigerator, right? Pro- probably and, not. They probably didn't do that. They they looked at it and said, oh, you know what? My buyer needs a refrigerator. Oh, yeah. well, let's just ask for it. Right. You know, say, you know, or they can just come back and scratch it off, right? But you have to go into every transaction and say there are going to be there's going to be competition. Every single transaction right. is going to have it's multiple offers. It's almost like offers. put your best foot forward every and if time. you get the deal, right? Whether or not then we can negotiate after. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. It doesn't, right? You have to put your best foot forward. Yeah. yeah. So Dan, I'm, I'm Nathan Smith, right? 20 <laughs> young 20s. Um, I'm looking to <laughs> buy my first home. <laughs> I have no clue what I'm doing. Nathan How Smith. do I find the agent? How do I know who's good? How do I know who's closed deals? How do I find the right person to work with that's going to get me the house I really want? That's that's a huge challenge because a lot of <laughs> folks will just pick the phone up. They'll go to an open house and they'll start working with the guy in the open house because whatever. He was there. He was there and he called them back. Right. Okay. Um, it's it's really difficult, especially as a buyer's agent because most of this, the 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 big names that you're seeing on TV and advertising on the radio, they're real heavily focused on listings. You know, they have a team of buyers agents, but it's it's a churning team. It's always they're they're rolling over because these guys aren't good. They they just come out of college. They don't really know what they're doing when it comes to this kind of thing. I, I mean, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I don't have a, <laughs> I, I don't think, have an answer. Well, yeah, it's hard because like you say, you want to find someone that's closed a lot of deals recently. Well. <laughs> We're in the industry, so we kind of have a little sure. more insight. Well, I think you know, as, I know right? as a new buyer, right, the first thing you do is probably ask for referrals, right? Uh, everyone knows someone who probably just I bought guess. a house, right? Who'd you use? Who'd you go through? Were they good? Yeah. How'd it, How'd go? it go? Do some research online about them, right? No, but even you, still, it's like, okay, yeah, so we, they found them a house. I mean, how long, how long were you looking? Six months? Right. That's too long. Yeah, dude. Right. Yeah. I mean, this one that we just did, she looked at three houses. Yeah. We got the one, right? Yeah. I mean, and, it, it's it, also, it, it, to that point, it's not just, hey, I found a house. It's how efficient was it, right? right. Look, I and I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Real estate agents out there, Stop posting how like how you sold a house in, in a week. No, nobody cares. That's Took not that long, huh? Yeah, like nobody like oh, fourteen offers in in a week and a half. Awesome, man. That's, That's everybody. Yeah. That's everybody. It's like they need to play right I want now, you right? to pro- I want you to like I want to see like found my buyer a house cuz that's the hard part right now. Oh yeah. Selling a house is is, yeah. is not the hard part. Finding them a house is the hard part. So stop being like, "Yo, I'm so good at my job. I sold a house." Awesome, man. <laughs> like Yeah, you know it's it's I mean, kind of off of a, a different subject, but just thinking about all these offers going in on a house. Um the most interesting thing to me right now, because I think it's the truly the only thing that can really um, – it's the only thing that I think will push values f- forward when it comes to comps is the appraisal waiver. It's a double-edged sword, right? Chances are your appraisal is going to come in low. Chances right. There's are. no comps, right, right. recently. And it's going to come in low right on the button. Like if you go 10K appraisal waiver, i.e. me, like – I, I offered 15k over with a 10k appraisal waiver contingency, right? Came in 10k low. Came in 10k low. Granted, the appraiser sees that on the purchase yeah, contract, right? right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you guys can say that. Listen, I meet every appraiser. And yeah, you I, do. I, I, know. I do. I meet every single appraiser on both purchases and. But you're listings. good. 
No, listen, listen. <laughs> I'm telling you this. You have to listen to what I'm saying when I, I meet these guys. I specifically have asked probably a dozen appraisers in the last two or three months, when you see an appraisal waiver on a purchase agreement, does it affect you in any way? I uh-huh. asked that because I uh-huh. want to know. Well, and they every single one of them said, you know what? I don't even look at it. I don't care. I can't believe they're doing it. But I don't care. I value it based off of what I see. Well, I mean, okay. it's something well, they said s- about that because, I mean, it's easy. It's the easy way out to blame the appraiser, right? It, it, appraisers, yeah. Well, yeah. here's they the get thing. a bad rap, but I really, I mean, their they're job is their not job. easy. Yeah, no, no, well, like they are supposed to be keeping everything in check because if there right. was no appraisal, people would be paying 20, 30 grand over for a home and the bank would be behind it. Right. Well, that's right. how we got in trouble in the first place, exactly. right? But. Yeah, these appraisal waivers. Well, they're bringing cash above and beyond, so that's their own investment, not the banks. Which let's talk about that actually. I, I, and I like what you said. Appraisal appraisers right now have an absolute crucial uh, part of our system, and that is controlling the inflate, inflated values that we have. Right. And if the, if we didn't control that on some level, I know it sucks when you get a low appraisal, and I know appraisers do their best to get as much out of the home as possible. But if we just had rampant appraisals like we had in the past, where they just you know they were just matching values over and over and over again, we would just start seeing this a much more rapid inflated uh, well, like uh, housing. And values. if you think about it, right? I'm thinking if <laughs> you're thinking, I like what you think. If someone does sign an appraisal waiver that they're willing to pay X amount over. That is the true value of the home. Someone was willing to do that, even though the appraisal came in low. They paid it. That's right. a sold comp. It's a free market. That's a comp. It is right. And now right. you have that comp that went five, ten k over in that neighborhood, and you got another one. You got another one. That's how the value will increase for the banks to then support it. Because once the banks do, it's it's kind of leveling things out, right? Once it, the banks are caught up to the values, I think you're going to probably see. Uh, more inventory. I can't really explain why, but you, you know. No, you want, you want me to tell you how we're going to get more inventory, in my opinion? You want to know? Does it, does it build scared. it? He's going to start He's building. something crazy. No, no, the building's not going to help because everybody's building out, out in the sticks. Everybody wants, everybody wants walkability. Everybody wants the cities, right? I don't. If we start seeing values leveling out, like if we're at this part of the curve, and then all of a sudden people that have been holding onto their house because they want to like make the yeah, most out of it. Time the market. They're trying to time the market. They start seeing a small dip. Oh, I got to sell. Boom, 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 boom. People start selling. The values start going down, right? And that's what I feel like there's that. That's the only thing in my mind that, that that can happen at this point to get more more sellers than buyers because people just start deciding I want to get the most bang for my buck. I personally think anybody out there that has like three or four or five investment properties that they've been sitting on for the last sell three four years, sell them because the market is like up here. I think, right? I don't think we're going down for another year, two years. <laughs> it's it'll it'll go flat. Yeah, it'll go flat. Yep. It might might adjust a little bit down, but why not take your profits and then go buy like five other houses somewhere else? Or it, it, it's 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 going to go flat for a while. It's going flat. It is. It is. But I mean, that's not a bad thing because if it goes flat at the top, I mean, well, it's dude, still we don't want to be Vancouver forever. We, we don't want to be Toronto. We don't want million dollar, twelve hundred square foot bungalows in <laughs> right. Royal Oak. Right. We don't want that. Right. We want right. a healthy, healthy uh, thing that, uh, economy. But, but here's the values. here's the thing. I mean, you look at Metro Detroit and. The the amount of jobs and the amount of excitement that's going on in our area is insane. I mean, all of southeastern Michigan. We're healthy, man. I mean, it's as healthy of a of a of a jobs a, economy it all comes on to jobs. It does, thing. and we are one of the, at the housing prices. We are some of the lowest in the country. 
uh, in affordability. Yeah. Affordability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what makes the difference here. We're a affor- It's an affordable housing. If market. you really want to buy a house for one hundred fifty thousand in Metro Detroit, you can. Oh yeah, right, and a, and a decent one. Yeah, a decent. A decent yeah, house. yeah. You can actually yeah. find them. Like, but. Um, it you know, but if you go to like Royal Oak or Birmingham, these these mar- there are hot, really super old, like hot markets. Royal Oak's really crazy. I mean, two years ago, I was sitting here saying Royal Oak's at two twenty a foot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how much higher can it be? Right, mm-hmm. this is two summers ago. Yeah, yeah how much I higher? Got can one it be? that was two sixty five um, a foot. Yeah, and uh, it went pending. Yeah, you know, probably full price. Hey, not far from where you bought. I mean, they're they're going almost to three hundred dollars a foot now in certain areas over there. Yeah, I mean, I and mean, that's just ridiculous. Dude, not ever. But yeah. the market bears it. It does. It does. And it that's can sustain the thing, it. right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what you know, but but with all that being said, right? A lot of these people are hopeful of the future, but we can't speculate to the point where. Yes, I bought my house. I bought my house for two eighty five. Right. I got all these like. You know, just everyone I think looks at their house values, right? After mm-hmm. you buy one, I got anywhere from three hundred to three eighty. I definitely know it's not worth three eighty, right? But yeah, I might have some immediate appreciation, but if in two or three years it starts to go down, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of this, like heating up and the, the balloon, and as it contracts, I mean, what's that going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Probably more refi booms, things like that. But it's always a cyclical cycle, right? We're going up and down cyclical every cycle. <laughs> yeah, cyclical cycle. That's a little redundant, bro. So <laughs> let, let, let's talk a little I bit guess, about yeah. That's Thanks, the most redundant man. thing you've ever said. What do you think the market well, would do? I just want to, before you move on, back to the point of uh, the appraiser's job right now is to control our markets. So we don't have a bubble like we had before. What do you think this market today would look like as far as sales prices? If we didn't have that control, it was back like the old day where you could that's call the appraiser. What would what would it look like? It'd be crazy. It'd be, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You just reiterated the point I already made. Thanks. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the Fed. <laughs> well, it's a double. Apparently, I wasn't paying attention. You know, I'm, I'm trying to move on from the topic, man. Yeah, I just I, it's tough. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. So honestly, I do want to talk about the Fed because we're we're gonna run out of time if we don't get into into it a little bit. Really? So they're meeting on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, Thursday, I mean. Jesus. So what's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. Everybody, they're gonna, are they raising rates this time? No, they're not, right? I don't think they're supposed to. No. The, the, things are going to happen because there's going to be a lot of hype around it. But it's nothing's really going say, to happen. Though, the, I, the rates have already risen. They're exactly, already right? in, they've, so they've already, already gone up in. a point. I think now it's like uh, checks and balances to see what types of effects it has on the housing market, job market. Things like that, right? What what's actually happening? What is the consumer spending now that they have these higher mortgage payments of hundred, two hundred dollars, right? Yeah, for these new buyers. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't work at the Listen, Fed, but the I reality think that is the Fed be, uh, doesn't control rates. Now, what what could happen is if they say something in their notes that the market doesn't like, that they're not expecting, rates will go like jump up. If they if it's status quo and nothing new or nothing salacious comes out in those notes, I think rates are going to go down after they meet because right. it's being built up. It happens every time. So it all depends on what they say. And I don't think they want to say anything too crazy because they're probably happy with where rates are because they, they, they've increased a little yes. bit. So for, the, for people out there listening uh, and wondering what rates are going to do after the Fed meeting, I actually think they're going to come down a little bit if mm. I had to put my money wow. on it. It's, I was going to say, say, don't quote me. Don't, don't hold well, out. You're getting quoted. You're, you're, I'm saying you're don't, 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 don't. Hold out and float your rate. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, take it with a grain of salt. No one knows. We're going to get a little relief after they meet for sure. I think think we're going to get relief. If I knew what it was going to do, I'd be 
jet setting. I'd be out of here. Right. Wouldn't, you would you, do jet set though, bro. You're always Paul. jet set. So listen, <laughs> the uh, it is funny though. Look at what happened with the election, right? At the end of uh, 2016, rates shot up like somewhat close to where they're at now. And then they came back down, right? The market kind of like took its breath. And I think that's what's going to happen again is, you know, right at the beginning of the year, boom, shot up like a point. I mean, it's crazy right now. The I would say the average rate right now, if you're putting 20% down and have great credit, is probably like 4.625 on a 30 That's year. it. Yeah. And you nailed it. You know, a year ago, we're looking at like four, 3.875. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, listen. A few months ago, I mean, it's know. not that crazy, man. We've had low, low rates for so long. And listen, four point six, not that bad. Yeah. No, it's great. Not that bad. And they're going to go to seven, and that still won't be that bad, right? right. And people will still buy houses because they need a house. I had a baby. I, I need more room. But I think it's a lot of expanding and contracting it to get there, right? And every time it probably goes up a little it's more, actually and been then a comes healthy back rise. a little less. It's been a healthy rise. Don't you agree? Don't you think it was a healthy rise so far? Yeah, it's fine. I don't think it's like egregious. You, I mean, you still got 30 offers on a house, right? And you know what? At five and a half, six percent, I don't think it's going to change. No, I mean, it, no. re- it really isn't. I mean, will le- there will there be less buyers? Yeah, but you know what? Instead of there being 15 offers, there might be seven. I mean, seriously? Correct, Omundo, dude. You know? Correct, Omundo. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't think I, I think we're in a healthy rate environment. I think it's getting even healthier, and I think there's a steady rise. And I think anybody that that is freaked out by interest rates is is a, a little bit like whiny. Get over it. You're a little whiny. Oh, I don't want four and a half, Paul. It's four and a half, bro. Some yeah, people still think that loan officers get compensated for giving you a higher rate. That's I, not the case. The rate's going to be the rate. Get over it. Find the house you like. I, nobody's jacking people for rates. No, I mean, you can't. Some companies make more. Some are more expensive. Can I be honest with the listeners right now? I mean, yeah, shop for race. Make sure you're getting a good deal. But what's the value you're getting? There's there's some internet lenders out there that like have like lower rates than everybody in the country, and they're but you don't know who you're working with, right? And do you really want days to close? Do you really want to work? I mean, you really want, and you can talk to this, right? Because you because you work with different lenders with people different pre approvals from different companies all the time. And and Dan, in your opinion, and I don't want to speak for you, but like, what do you look for in a lender? You know what I mean? Like, what is it that's most important in a purchase transaction, in your opinion? Well, the first thing that uh, that I'm looking for is uh, communication, uh, because if I have a problem right from the beginning with the loan officer not calling me back as a listing agent, I I'm reaching out to the to the essentially the winner of the bid mm-hmm. uh, that I haven't told them they're the winner yet, but I'm reaching out to the lender, right, to find out whether you know what's going really going on with this buyer. Because I mean, are they really I, qualified? Right. But I mean, am I going to hear the truth? Probably not. They're going to tell me whatever I want to hear. But it's what they're not telling me is what I'm trying to feed in on. I call them in the morning. They know that their buyers trying to buy a house. They know the market. Everybody, all, all lenders know the market we're in. Do they call so, you back? Do they call me back? <laughs> right. I mean, that's number one. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, or how about how about a lender? How often does it happen where they <clears throat> don't call you? Oh, all the time. It's crazy. All all the whole all job is to call people back. And how about how about a, a, a lender that actually calls me as a listening agent proactively? Proactively, Whoosh. you know. Whoa, ch- you man. know, it's like, like now I'm looking at this going, okay, I shouldn't have a problem with this, right? right? I mean, not to say that I won't, but chances are I'm probably not. If this person is going to be proactive, they're in this. Uh, uh, they they understand the communication side of things. 
So that's a that's a real important thing. Obviously, if it's somebody I've been around a long time, so I know a lot of the the, the people. A I mean, I, I don't know the, <laughs> I don't know all the loan officers, but you know what? I I know the reputation of the lender, and I know um, which lenders are uh, are going to give us more of a hassle. Some of the uh, some of the larger banks, if you will. Um, they typically aren't going to give a pre-approval out to somebody that they that doesn't isn't going to close. But am I going to have communication problems and appraisal problems? Chances are I am. So you know that's that's something that hell has to be weighed in in the whole thing because it just is. So your first point was is interesting to me because I know from experience a lot of loan officers are scared to call, especially a listing agent. Right? It's it's the other scared? side of the transaction. They're scared. They're scared. So. In Why? your opinion, I don't know. Yeah, they're they're, they're averse. out of college. They <laughs> plopped him in a seat and said, Listen, can just going to bite right? your head off? <laughs> so in your happen? opinion, would you rather get a call from someone that borderline seems like they don't really know what they're doing or no call at all? Oh man! Uh, I mean, that's a, I mean, I like mean, they know what they're doing, but they don't necessarily. A, hey, know uh, Dan, uh, I'm calling. Uh, uh, right, yeah. that guy. Yeah. yeah, that guy's not calling me. <laughs> exactly, that's yeah. the point. He's not listen, calling me. I mean, what's so hard? Hey, listen, I'm reaching out. Um, you, you know, my buyer put in an offer on one of your listings. I just want to let you know that they're rock solid. And if you have any questions at all, get back to me. Here's my number. I mean, it's that easy. How, how hard is that to say? <laughs> right. it's, it's that easy. But people are scared to do that. They feel like they're going to fumble, so they just don't call. It's it's the craziest thing in the world. Well, if they don't, if if they don't call, uh, okay. So if I now I'm the listing agent, I reach out to them, and then they call me back, and there's like, well, you know, um, uh, uh, mm. you know, now I got a problem. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Tiebreaker. Yeah. yeah. Go, let's go yeah, to the a, next there's guy. There's the fridge right there. Well, dude, I, I think as an LO, you kind of have to – you have to p- play both sides. I mean, we're all in this together, right? That's so right. once you – I mean, you got to work with that buyer's agent to put the deal together, to make it work, to understand the worst case and the best case for that buyer and can they swing it or can they not, right? Especially if you're dealing with the first-time buyer. Once that gets accepted, you – or at least an offer in, right? Because we all have to work together to get that deal in. That's the difference I think that makes a good loan officer someone who's also going to be an advocate for you when you're submitting offers on homes, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like you said, call this agent. Hey, he's rock solid. Call me if you need me. Right. Boom. But again, where does that offer come in at? But that's only if the that's only if the agent or the buyer has communicated with the loan officer that they put an offer that in. they put in an offer in. But that's a, sometimes that goes back to the team. It does. It goes right. back to the communication. But it also goes back to yeah. the loan officer's duty duty to understand duty. what's going on. Once in a while, I get a purchase agreement just sent to me from someone who I pre-approved three four months ago. That just, that's your fault. Well, yeah, you never followed up. Well, I didn't follow up enough, right? Yeah. And uh, that does happen. I mean, I, no one's perfect. It all slips through 100%. the cracks, but right. I, uh, it does happen. And then you're like, well, you you have like five grand and yeah. we needed seller's concessions, right? Well, this doesn't have concessions on it. So what are we going to do, right? It's all in the communication. And in that situation, right, now it went from being like, yeah, this is going to be so smooth to someone scrambling to find a gift or we got to renegotiate, which sometimes will happen, but then you got the appraisal. And it's like, you need to know every pitfall but, so you can avoid but it. But I have a hard time understanding any of this, what you're saying to me, because sure. are you saying that they've, they've got a purchase agreement on a house 
and the lend the the listing agent never reached out. Never. Yeah. Okay. It I happens. Mean, There's a lot they, of bad think agents think out there, Daniel. <laughs> the selling agent. There's no a lot one, of bad the agents. The selling agent out never there. called to say, "Hey, I don't know. Have you talked to him recently? We're about to submit an offer." I've got a it pre-approval. A you, oh, I got a pre-approval that's three months old. I mean, Dude, seriously? Yeah. There's there's, ju- there's just as many bad agents as bad. Listen, like, like as an agent, I would think of my buyer as a soldier about to go into battle. Oh yeah. Do they have their gun? Do they have their ammo? Are they prepared? That's, Have they been trained? Delightful. And sometimes, I mean, and, you know, we're like the hospital, right? And we get someone in and it's like, oh, man, they didn't have their ammo. <laughs> Just so the shot. audience knows, <laughs> that was a multi-layered analogy. Yes. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. good. It, it's pretty tough. Yeah. And that's what happens. And it's all of our duty to make sure. Stop saying duty. Yeah, it's well, it is. every time. It's <laughs> Sounds like poop. Duty. Duty. <laughs> it's our responsibility, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> To, to make sure that these people are going in prepared. Absolutely. And it's, I agree. And yeah. that, that goes, again, to having the right team. And I, I can't stress this enough. In our market, in any market, whenever you're having a – like it's it's like you're going to battle, to your point. And you need to have a good army around you, a good general. You know, like you've got to have the people around you that can make this magic happen. Yeah. Magic. Buying a house is a minefield. You just don't want to step on one. There's another you know? analogy. <laughs> Stacking the analogy. You haven't heard that one yet. No. I mean, it's well, not that dangerous. <laughs> it's not like, that. I, but I don't it, know of anybody that's died from this. <laughs> wow. Don't say that. I mean, um, not yet. Well, people, not yet. You know, agents sometimes make it seem like it, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But d- did you die? <laughs> Brazel came in low. It's the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Are you alive? Did you breathe today? <laughs> I think there's bigger problems. But going Salvatore, on. I mean, kind of like, can we rebuttal? And uh, no, that's the appraisal deal. Salvatore, yeah, sorry. <laughs> can Send we order a second appraisal? Yeah. So yeah, no. Look again. Uh, it is a tough market out there. Um, I do believe uh, our jobs market is really healthy. We're going to get jobs report out Friday. I think yes. yes. Yep. Today's Wednesday, remember? Yeah, Stop today's Wednesday. That. I get it. I get it. Um, Wednesday. So jobs report. Come He's at the golf course already Ke- in his head. Oh yeah, that's it. I'm done. I actually I'm golfing today. <laughs> Man, it's gonna be nice out. I call Paul. We, we have to coordinate in the morning to make sure we don't look like uh, bananas and pajamas. <laughs> but I'm like, dude. Uh, Jesus don't think are I'm you wearing a suit today? today? No, man. I'm no, golfing. I'm golfing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that means that Sal knows how to dress. Now? Yes, I, yeah. yeah we, we literally are like, are you are you wearing your suit? I'm wearing my suit. You're, okay, what are you going to wear? Like, we literally have to like coordinate. It's Why? Because if we walk into a meeting together, sometimes and, like, you're wearing the same stuff. Do you we guys look like he uh, doesn't know what day it is half the time, so he doesn't even know whether yeah, he's got a meeting. I, I need I need Sal to put my clothes out in the morning so I can wear them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, we walk into a real estate office and we're like the twins on the shiny. Yeah, just blue suit. <laughs> yeah, baby blue shirt underneath. Same shoes, literally the same exact shoes. We own the same. Man, shoes. someone com- someone uh, complimented me on mine yesterday and didn't give you any. But well, mine are beat up. Mine are a year older than yours. They're a little dusty. Yeah, they're dusty. It's time for me to upgrade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is so, happening right now? I don't know. We're talking about a fashion. Yeah, they've t- totally. Yeah, got Jessica's out. laughing at us over there. Way she's off track. Like, she's cool, like, man. What are you? She's like, what are you guys <laughs> um, talking about? This is a real estate show. I promise. Um, well, last week we talked about medical marijuana. We did. That's gonna be awesome. So, uh, uh, last thing I want to touch on is how crazy is it? And I, look, for, for better or worse, like D- Donald Trump's our president. I love him. But how crazy is it that he dictated his own medical records? <laughs> Can I talk, we, we talk all, about that? We all kind of knew that. Is it true? 100%? You yes. know that for a fact. Nothing's ever 100% yeah, true. I, mean, I want to be fair. Stop saying yes, you I, leftist. I th- You're so left. I have super left. I mean, he is so hard left. But I'm pretty sure the doctor actually 
said it on camera. Oh, well, listen, I I will say this, and 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 I'm not a huge fan of Trump. I'm not a huge fan of politics, but I will say t- tell you this, and I and I mean this wholeheartedly because I'm I'm very by the book and by the facts. No president <laughs> in our history has been more effed with in the history of presidents. I mean, he is getting like like he's getting like scoped anally every every day. But he the, is. the counterpoint to that is you could argue he kind of deserves it because he's getting away but with dude, more than any other president. At the same time, well. I can't believe that he's gotten done what he's done. Listen, for what it's worth, I don't think his policies are bad. To be fair. You're left too. I am left. <laughs> I am, but I don't but you gotta be fair and impartial. Like it's not fair to say it's all bad. Listen. South Korea wants him to win the Nobel Peace Prize for what he, for what he was able to accomplish. I mean, that's what he said. That's a big deal. It's right? huge. Yeah, it's a big deal. Listen, there's a lot of bad. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think any human under that much scrutiny there'd be some that, like you put me under a microscope. For yeah, that I wouldn't long. be able to do it. No, it's no, not, not easy. easy. So I want to be fair, but like he he does do a lot of dumb shit. There's a lot of people in this state that are getting some pretty sizable bonus checks. As a result look, of some of the tax cuts, I'm I'm being honest. Look, his policies have not been bad, man. Fiscally, they're not bad. I get it, but he's a dummy. <laughs> he he's, he's just got to stop tw- twatting, twittering, twatting. Twittering. Man, is, it uh, <laughs> is that what it I, is? Well, I don't think that's ever going to stop. But I wouldn't say he's a, I wouldn't say he's a dummy. No, but he just does. I mean, dumb figure things. this out. How did the, uh, th- this country vote him in? I don't such think a dummy. I don't think I don't he's, he's very case. transparent. I mean, he doesn't really, you know, I mean, he's not like hiding. He's not really being too PC, right? Uh, uh, I get it, man. Not, I, I just, I just. He's kind of saying what bit? he thinks. Tone which, it down a little bit. Do we want this to go the nope. rest of the no, show no, in this no, direction? Yeah, no, we'll I think stop. we cut it off now. Well, we'll stop I could now. go for a while. Yeah, you, I, uh, just, you know, I, I think it's funny. Just like every uh, presidency, every you know, uh, let's see what happens. Right? I want to. I want to be. I want to be. I want to be honest when I say. Our economy is doing great. Uh, our pol- like like there's like good stuff happening, man. And like other than the, all the minutia and the, the soap opera stuff on the back end, our actual real lives are pretty good right now. I agree with that, but I hesitate to give him any credit for that because because you just are. I'm so left, right? Also, here's the one thing: look at to- what he does. Like his schedule came out. Like he does about ten minutes worth of work. He doesn't have to. But he's but he's effective. The big what is he thing do? right now Everyone that does it I for think him, people so kind of forget is that we. It's no longer like a U.S. economy. It's a world yeah, economy. Yeah. There's a lot that for goes sure. into us doing well, us not doing well, and that's not a byproduct of Donald Trump, Obama. I mean, it's of it's course, a free market. They've had their thoughts, it, but I mean, dude, it's a free market. If one person controlled everything, we would have already been nuked. Mm. It'd be over, <laughs> right? I mean, you think so? Yeah, dude. There's another war reference. Who's nuking us? I'm just saying. Okay. Or someone else would have been nuked, right? It's it's one of those things where there are so many people behind the decisions that are made every day that you can't attribute any, you know, good things or bad things to one person. Mm-hmm. You know. So you're saying that if someone else was president, that everything that just occurred would have all all that stuff would have still happened. You know, mm-hmm. no the North Korea, no, I can't say no North Korea, no. South Korea. No, I can't. Say the, the details would have been different, right? But uh, I do believe that our economy still would have been good. Yes. But he did push through tax cuts. That L- listen, that, yeah, it, the, the details are there, right? It's it. I'm not saying that there's no difference or like that one person can't change the world. But I'm saying that the general scope of probably where things are going 
are due to mm-hmm. a lot more factors than the All guy right. sitting in the White House. All right, this is a real estate show, not politics. <laughs> uh, we can get it. Yeah. So, guys, yeah, uh, like another great show fire. is show number two of uh, real estate inside real estate. Thank you so much for being on the Dan. Uh, how do, how can people get a hold of you, buddy? Well, they can call me on my cell, 313-550-4862. Uh, send me an email at dan at soldbyiq.com. Give that number one more time. It's a little uh, slower. 313-550-4862. <laughs> awesome. Is that better? Call Dan. He's a beast. He is. He is one of the, no joke. He's bees one of the, the best. Bees the Beastly. beast. Beastly. <laughs> bees, beastly. Man. So, Je- Jessica, thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, you've been great. Thanks. Uh, you guys have been entertaining. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the point. All right, everyone. We are signing out. Love you. Peace.